what I love about trap music, though. And that's what I love about Black people, Black culture. It's like all across the world, Black people are treated poorly for the most part. The darker the skin, it's like the worse your experience is for the most part, I would say. And like, here we are, we create culture and we create music that everyone bites off of. And that's wild to me that there's power in that. So I was like, why not give that back to my people? Created for the MAPE community, by the MAPE community. Left Unsaid is a podcast where we speak our truth, celebrate our talents, tell our stories, and explore what matters most to us. It's time to leave everything on the table and make sure nothing is left unsaid. Hello and welcome to another episode of Left Unsaid. I'm your host, Carl Desir, and as always, I am super excited for our guest today. I've known her for a while and just really excited to dig into the transformation and the transitions that she's made in her career and all the great work she's doing now. Siobhan, do you want to go ahead and introduce yourself to everybody? Sure. Um, my name is Siobhan Hodges, and I am the proud founder of Grills and Granola, or as I like to say, um, which I recently updated my LinkedIn with, I'm an award-winning entrepreneur. Yes, yes, you are. And you know what? You are proud because y'all can't see it, but her smile is like rays of sunshine when she said entrepreneur, founder. It was it was a wonderful thing to see. Siobhan, thank you for joining us. I, oh, we always do a, a check-in to see how people are coming. And I can kind of tell by by the smile and the energy that you just brought with that. But how are you checking in on the red, yellow, green spectrum today? I say yellow, not because I'm not present and ready to have this amazing conversation. Um, I say yellow because yellow is my power color. Mm. And that's how I, that's my aura, or at least that's the, the color I see for myself when, um, when I feel like my best. So I'm yellow. Okay, I like that. I like that. Like that the power color. Okay. Yeah, and we already talked about like it's I don't know, it's Monday evening and I can't speak for some reason. It's all jumbled up. So it's going to be an interesting podcast John. You're going you're going to have to carry this whole thing for us tonight, okay? <laughs> Got it. All right. All right. So, let's just let's just start let's just start at the quote-unquote beginning, right? I remember Actually, I don't actually remember when we first met. I just know like I've you know, especially in the in the diversity space in advertising, I just always, you were just kind of like there. And I was like, oh, she's doing great things. Like, so just tell us how you got into, you know, uh, that space. And then we can get into grills and granola. Yeah. So I, I got my start in advertising um, from my cousin, uh, Tiffany Edwards. I guess I can name hey, drop Tiff. her, right? What up, Tiff? Yeah, um, listen. <laughs> So I, I was an English major and I had no clue what advertising was. And I remember uh, the one club, they had their first creative boot camp, and Tiffany was like, oh, you should go to this since you don't really know what you want to do with your life. Um, and I said, okay, cool. So my team ended up uh, getting second place for the boot camp, And then mm -hmm. the prize was a one club membership, which gave you invitations to all of the uh, like $2 happy hours they would have. And since I was in school, I was like, oh, bet. So <laughs> so I would come to all the $2 happy hours. And then after a while, everyone at the one club kind of knew me because I was always there for the $2 drinks. Um, 
And then there was a role opening up for them to expand their education and diversity initiatives. And since I was about to graduate, Tiffany was like, okay, well, if you want, you could maybe do this part-time and see what, what happens. Um, and since I was able to prove myself, they hired me full-time. The day after I graduated, I started working full-time. Not even graduated. The day after I finished wow. school, <laughs> I started working full-time. Oh, wow. Dedication. That's great. Just being in the right place, right time, knowing the right people, you ended up getting getting a role. And what was that? What was that like? So what was that like coming in at that time, you know, into a place like the one club, right? It's a, I guess you can call it a trade association, right? Award show. Yeah. Technically it's a nonprofit, but yeah. Okay. Okay. So what was it like working at that side of the diversity space? Um, sometimes I felt like an imposter because I was basically trying to help myself in a lot of ways um you know Mm. we were targeting creative students of color in college and it's like i just got out of school i'm technically one of you Um. but it was really cool to start there and not at an agency because i got to meet so many different people from agencies so many characters and i got exposure to the creative department which was the one that i was most interested in anyway um and then also i just I mean, the people at the One Club, they are brilliant. And it was the first time I've worked in a space um, that my parents could never understand if I ever explained mm-hmm, it to them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes, yes. I, my, my parents did not really understand what I did. I think I, I, they kind of do now, but they know Netflix. They don't know agencies, <laughs> but they know Netflix. So they're like, okay, we're good. We're good. At least we know the name. Right. So we get it. I love how you describe you met a lot of characters. I think that's the best, that's a great way to describe folks in advertising. Wonderful, amazing characters. Um, So, okay. So you were at the one club and we're going to, we're going to work our way to where you are today. Right. And then what brought you to the agency side? All right. So how 100 do you want me to keep this? Because I'll tell you what happened. Um, the, the name of the podcast is Left Unsaid. Okay. So this is what happened. I love the one club, but I was burning out. And my mm-hmm. background is in English education. So I'm actually a former high school student, um, high school teacher. Very brief, right? So I joined TFA. I was doing my master's at Johns mm-hmm. Hopkins. I was teaching high school in Baltimore City. So that's what I did. Cool. I jumped. And then I realized I don't want to be a teacher. And because I, I myself am a child and I can't show up for other people's kids when I'm a kid. <laughs> also, I'm going to tell you the thing that really sold me and I was like, this is not the space for me, having come from a creative industry, was the fact that all of their computers, the operating systems, it was, um, it was Windows XP. Nope. nope. Not even joking. Done. And that's I'm when out. I was like, I'm done. I'm out. I've had enough. I don't deserve this. I don't need this. This does not serve my highest purpose. So I quit. And then using that network of people that I met, all those characters I met at the One Club, I just started reaching back out. Boom. Next thing you know, I'm at McCann doing D&I work. Wow. All right. So like a little pivot. Then you're like, no, I got to get back. I got to cross right back. Get right back in the lane. Okay. And you're at McCann for for a little bit, right? And what what happened? So you're at McCann. Sure, it's it's a great experience. What what happened after McCann? After McCann, I jumped to Wonderman Thompson, and that happened because I did a data and analytics course, 
and I just really loved it. I love I love the idea of telling telling stories with numbers, and I wanted to work at an agency that was data focused. So um, once I got that certification, I I jumped over the Wonderman because they're all about data, and I like data because you can't mm. dispute data. Data is what it is. How you interpret it's another thing, but data doesn't change. Okay, so you're at Wonderman. And then I'm trying to I'm trying to quickly get through because I really want to get into grills and granola. What happened, Wonderman? And then where'd you go? Was it grills and granola after that? Grill grills and granola. I actually started my business at McCann. So I mean, oh okay. yeah. So Tiffany will tell you. Um, at one point we were roommates, and I literally would come home from McCann at like get get home by six thirty, eat eggs, eat scrambled eggs and cheese because I don't I I was lazy at the time. I was still eating like a college student. And I will sit at the kitchen table and work until like two o'clock in the morning on grills and granola. Wow. <laughs> it was wild. So, so, so grills and granola was actually like the side hustle yeah. for a while before it came. Okay. We're going to, we're going to talk about that. The side hustle <laughs> into the main hustle and how that happened. Okay. So I didn't, I didn't realize grills and granola started back way back in McCann. That's amazing. So you were 2 a.m. eating scrambled eggs, working on grills and granola. Well, so let's let's just get into it now. Like, what made? Well, tell us about grills and granola, and then I want to know. Maybe you'll tell in there. Like, what what prompted you to start that? All right. So, grills and granola. We're a New York City based fitness company, and we curate and create fitness experiences for underrepresented women of color and for women with anomalous body types, or as I like to say, the women with curves that you don't see in magazines. Those confident underdogs, right? Um, mm -hmm. Our signature class is trap aerobics, but we've expanded since then. So we now teach an R&B strength class. Um, we teach an R&B yoga class. We're about to roll out a soul bar, which is inspired by Soul Train. And the whole idea is to create culturally attuned fitness experiences that are rooted in the Black experience. But I want to make it accessible. So that's why all of our classes, you don't need any equipment to do any of them. Um, you can really just do this on the floor. And the name Grills and Granola is an ode to hip hop, but it's also an ode to the fact that I'm from Jamaica, Queens. And I remember, you know, if I wanted to eat something healthy from the corner store, it was like either I could have a banana or I could have a granola bar. So I was like Grills and Granola, because Grills, those are gold-plated dentures of hip hop. Mm -hmm. And then Grills, because mm -hmm. my family's from the South, it burns food like your body. This is where my mind goes as a, as an as an English major. No, keep know, it going, keep it going. Brain. This is great. This is so good. I love this. Um, so there's that, and then the other part was like, okay, that's my ode to hip hop. That's my culture. Other part of that is just granola. Like it's accessible. You could you could take a granola bar anywhere, and you don't really have to worry about it. And it's healthy for the most part. Mm -hmm. So there's mm -hmm. a granola. I like that. I like that mixing mixing two parts of of things that are important to you into one grills granola hip-hop and health yeah but how it got started it actually it didn't i didn't get started i didn't start my company from a good place um so i was one of those people who really believed in love and i foolishly um decided to marry my college sweetheart when i was like 22 and um i mean i can say that i i definitely grew up i just realized that if if you don't know yourself, it's hard to attach yourself to someone else. And I also learned that like, I can't, mm. I can't root my identity in someone else's. So got a divorce, um, very amicable, but I mean, it doesn't change the fact that I really at this time has spent a quarter of my life with someone. <laughs> and so I was really wow. depressed 
And at this time, like most women in their 20s, when they go through a breakup, which in my case is a divorce, which feels like 10 times worse. Um, mm. Listen, you either you either trying to get chose again or, you know, you you're just trying to be free and have fun. So I would party with my girlfriends on the weekends and then I would go to the gym because I was like, oh, I want to be a snack. I'm trying to get chose again. But unfortunately, I have a panic disorder and alcohol does not go with anxiety. So I spent more time at the gym. You know, and then Drake and Future dropped mm. their mixtape, What a Time to Be Alive. Oh, I got God. inspired. <laughs> and the next thing you know, I'm I'm trying to figure out how to create trap aerobics in my grandmother's backyard while she's watching me as the song Cut It plays and, and Coco by OT Genesis. It was a very interesting time. <laughs> Y'all can't see, but my, my mouth is just like wide open. Like your grandma's watching you trying to do this outside. And she's like, what, what is this Coco? This- what is this Coco they talking about? She's a very dainty Southern oh. lady. And I was like, I, I can't explain it to you. No, no, not right now. <laughs> probably, probably not ever. Not ever. Probably not ever. <laughs> not ever. Wow. Um, okay. That is, what a story. What a story. I, I, there's, there's so much wrapped in there. I, I mean, I think there's so much of a, a mental health component wrapped into like where this has led. How do you see kind of what you're doing now, um, also helping with, you know, the mental health of, you know, whether it's yourself or, you know, the folks that come to Grills and Granola? I mean, there's a few things. Um, the reason why I chose trap music was because it was making me feel better. And now in hindsight, I can say mm-hmm. that I think what makes trap music so special is that one, it's created by people who come from marginalized black neighborhoods in the South, right? Cause that's what the trap is. And also when you listen to it, it's almost like affirmational because they're always rapping about how much money they have, cars, diamonds, whatever, even though they don't actually have it. And I kind of view trap music as this like affirmational (laughs) hip hop in its own like screwed up way. Um, And so I think that what I'm doing when it comes to mental health is one, listening to trap music, it's to me, it's like I'm telling myself good stories, stories that kind of resonate with my highest self, that that self that I haven't even discovered yet. And then also, um, when I think about fitness itself, and I say this in my classes all the time, that there's three ways that you can shift your energy because that's, that's all it is, is just energy. And it can't be created, it can't be destroyed, but it can be, um, it can be transformed and it can be transferred, right? So three ways to do it, you can meditate, you could sleep, or you can move. And I give people two, of, two out of three of those things. So I just try to remind them that Fitness is not just about losing weight. It's not about the music. It's not about any of that. It's literally about building this like mental fortitude and letting that spread um, manifest physically to me. Yeah, I'm I'm all for it. I love <laughs> I love how you 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 frame trap music as aspirational, and it's not because I mean you know you we all know the negative stereotypes that all hip hop gets from that, right? And to reframe it as way like, well, we're rapping about this. We're making this music about this because this is where we want to be. This is what we want out of life versus something completely different. So I don't even, I mean, there's so much. In <laughs> but there. that's what I love about trap music though. And that's what I love about black people, black culture. It's like all across the world, black people are um, treated treat it poorly for the most part. The darker the skin, it's like the worse your experiences for the most part, I would say. And like, here we are 
we create culture and we create music that everyone bites off of. And that's wild to me that there's power in that. Mm -hmm. So I was like, why not give that back to my people in an, in an intentional way? Mm. I love that. And you have, I mean, it's, I know you started this back in like, you said during McCann years, like what, 2016 or so. And how have you seen th this energy? Oh, we, we have to touch on the energy too, the energy, those three things you said of what you do and, and how energy, but hold on, I'm getting ahead of myself. How do you see your work you do? And not just with, you know, the body, but also everything you just said in today's world right because you started this in 2016 and 2020 was beyond wild 2020 2021 is shaping up to be beyond wild as well in different ways but also similar ways yeah. so how do you see this work really playing out now and the importance of it now well right now um there's a few things but i would say i didn't realize how much how important it was until maybe six months in, we had pivoted virtually because I almost, I almost was about to mm -hmm. quit because I was like, man, 2020, I just can't, this is too much. But what ended up happening was that six months later, we actually, we actually like increased our profits by like, I'm going to say like 150%. And then I just looked at my books yesterday and I actually already made all the money that I made in 2020. I have already made it this year. Right. So that, that's how much, <laughs> that's how wild this is. But what I learned was that people need a sense of connection and they need to feel seen in order to feel loved. Um, and I found that out when my, the community of women that we've been all teaching, um, they actually made us this like cute five minute thank you video. Like, thank you for making 2020 less sucky. And it was like all of these women across the country, one in the Virgin Islands, one in Canada, and they all came together without us knowing and made us this beautiful thank you video and just showing them working out at home with their kids, all the things. And I was like, oh, wow, okay, this is wild. Cause I mean, I didn't think it was gonna go this far. And it, I mean, that itself shows how far and beyond and it will still the power of what, of what you're saying. Like what, just take me through, what was that like to receive that video and to watch it there? I mean, I'm sure, you know, just tell me it's I want to I want to feel a little bit of that. No, energy. I cried like I I started bawling. I watched it. I actually I um my business partner and I like we both got it and we were like, all right, you gonna watch this now. You want to wait? And I was like, uh, I need to wait. I need to pull over. I need to pull over. And then we watched it and I just started. Oh, yeah, don't watch that while driving. Bawling. Yeah, because I'm, I'm a super like emotional person. But I will say it also made me realize the importance of using my voice, just like how you said, like, I remember you in the ad industry, you were there, but I don't speak much. Like I'm a very, for the most part, I'm very quiet. Um, it's because I'm always watching and I'm always observing, but this is the first time in my life where I actually feel comfortable just being my full self and not, not attaching much of my identity to the work I do or the things I produce. And that feels good. <laughs> <laughs> I can tell again, the smile comes through because yeah, you're like, yeah, this feels good. Yeah. So let me, let me, so, okay. You're doing, you're staying up till 2 a.m., eating scrambled eggs, working on grills and granola. When was that moment where you were like, nah, this is it. I got to take this and make it what I do. I think that moment just happened. Well, it was two things, right? I don't, I, I hate getting caught up in like the awards and all the accolades and stuff. 
But I think the big one was when Google reached out to me and they did this like feature on like how I was able to basically grow my business on the internet. And it just felt Mm -hmm. like all of my worlds were coming together, especially my advertising background, because there's one thing I learned about the one from the one club is that, you know, there are nothing but characters in advertising because all we do is tell stories (laughs) and, and stories Mm. matter. They do. So what, I'm just now I'm just so curious, like when you're there and you're like, what is the story you tell that matters that you think connected and matters so much to people? It's the fact that everyone, I think, for the most part, has experienced depression and anxiety at one point in their lives. And I think that people are inspired by the fact that I took something that was quite awful and I turned it into something that works for me and makes me feel empowered. And then once I learned all those lessons about myself. I passed it on to other people so that they can go and and inspire other folks. It's like a domino effect. And that's that's actually what I love mm. about what I do. Thank you for doing that. And I'm curious, I'm sure there are people listening and people that, you know, need to listen that are saying like, well, I mean, if it was just Google that gave you the confidence or what, like what really, how, how do I make my side hustle, my main hustle? How do I take that leap? Should I take that leap? Come on, help me out, Siobhan. Give me some wisdom. In terms of- what, what would you say? Okay, one, yes, you should. You should do whatever you want to do. I mean, I think that's actually like the purpose of life is for you to do whatever you want to do. Get all the knowledge and then share and inspire other people to do whatever they want to do. But in terms of strategically quitting your job and taking this leap, for me, I had actually saved like a whole year's worth of, of money right, just to cover my my life expenses. And so that that gave me the confidence to take the leap because I'm like, I know for a fact that I'm not gonna sit and do nothing for a year. Like, that's just not how I'm built. Mm. And it's not how my people are built. So I felt confident with that. And then the other thing was, I constantly try to tell myself positive stories because I think so much of what I've seen when it comes to the black experience is always rooted in trauma or rooted in, oh yeah, she's from the hood, blah, 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 blah. Um, and I, I just, I don't know. It's like, yeah, I am from Jamaica, Queens, but like also that's not even a fraction of my my life story or my identity. That's just an origin. So I always like, um, I literally write down in my book, which I still have in front of me right here. And I'm like, I have all the tools, people and resources I need to be successful. That's it. Like that is something I say to myself every day, even when I feel like I can't do it. I was just leaving some intentional silence so that could sink in to the listeners. Could you, would you mind reading that again? I have all the tools, people, and resources I need to be successful. You really want to take another, another level up, another notch up. (laughs) Okay, let's go. Let's do it. I meditate a lot. Something that I've been doing quite often is doing a creative visualization meditation where Basically, it's called quantum jumping. My friend uh, Kimber put me onto it. I think she's a Maple alum. I'm not sure. But um, basically, the idea is that you meditate and then you set the scene of like your future self, your highest self, right? And then me, still meditating, I can I enter this room. I can see myself, the highest version of me. I don't know why I'm always wearing cream and I know it's sunny and there's palm trees outside. So I'm going to say I'm going to move to L.A. or Hawaii or somewhere where there is an ocean. And then I go in and I ask my highest self one question. And it's, and it's literally like, am I going to make it? Am I, am I, am I good enough? 
And my highest self always says like, yeah, like you just have to believe that you are, that's it. And keep telling yourself you are. Also, I don't um, share things that I'm working on until they're fully baked and I'm about to put them out into the world because I recognize that people always project their fears or they project love onto the things you share with them. And I'd rather not subject myself to either. I wanna stay, stay in alignment with myself so I don't tell people what I'm doing until it's already done. Um, and that is part of the reason why I'm so quiet too. Yeah, you know that they say haters gonna hate. So that's, I mean, exactly. that's something. If you gotta keep it, gotta keep it close to the chest so that, you know, it's you don't have to deal with all that. Trust me, I, I get it. Sometimes they're I not even it. hating. I think they're just conditioned that way. Like, I especially think that if you've like, if you've grown up living in survival mode, you wouldn't even be able to handle the discomfort of, of becoming an entrepreneur. So naturally you're gonna project your fear onto anything that I say, just because you can't even place it in your world. And that's not my problem. <laughs> Seriously, it is not my problem. Not my monkey, not my circus. Okay, well, okay, I don't, I'm just gonna, I have to let that sink it on me because that was, I mean, you brought the like joy and the attitude in saying that you're just like, listen, it's not my problem. It's your pro I, I loved every moment of that. I'm still, still taking it in, still taking it in. Ooh, I, I mean, I think this is, this. Is, listen, where do you want to go with this conversation, Carl? Because I, I have. So I want. Listen, I just, I just, I just want to sit here and listen. Just go, just go. Take, take, take us to another place, please. Okay. Just keep going. All right. Um, <laughs> no, um, I've been, I've been doing a lot of like spiritual work in terms of like meditating and reading a lot of books. And the big thing that has really stuck with me and has really like been the compass of my life in the past, maybe 18 months is the fact that this author, um, Eckhart Tolle, he defines love as recognizing yourself in another person or another thing. And I can't get past that. Like I just it literally has just changed my entire um, perception of how I show up in the world. And so could you say the quote again? Love is recognizing yourself in another person or another thing. Um, and so when we talk about all these conversations about either black women entrepreneurs, black people, black lives matter, all the things, all things black at this point, right? I realized that like people can, people think that they love black people, but they actually, they just like us meaning that you appreciate me for my existence, but you do not see yourself in me. And I think that shows in so many spaces. In wellness, it's like people don't think that black people are capable of sitting still and meditating and focusing on things that are good, right? Because the stories that have been told about us have all been rooted in negativity. In healthcare, people don't think that black people experience pain in the same way that other people do. And that's just factual. And and there's data to support that. And then in the workplace, it's like, yeah, I appreciate you. I love soul food. I love Black History Month. I love all those things, but you and I are not the same. So you're not gonna be treated the same way. You're not gonna be paid the same way because I like you, but I don't love you. And if you don't love me, that's cool because I love myself. Love yourself. And when you love yourself, mm -hmm. the whole game changes. It's like, wait, hold up. I don't have to sit here and show up as anything other, other than myself 
all I have to do really is to discern who I want to let into my space. And that's where I'm at as an entrepreneur. That is something I learned is that I am not for everybody and I'm okay with saying no to things. And I'm okay. I'm okay with saying no and just being like, you know what? We're not going to work with you because you're asking me to lower my rate. And if I lower my rate, then that tells me that you don't, you don't see me and you don't value me as much as you would value yourself. You don't love me. And that's okay. I have no space for half love. Yeah, I'm very, I have, listen, I have woken up. <laughs> well, keep, keep shaking me because I need, I need to wake up. We all need to wake up because. I have woken what, up. What, what you just said, you don't have any space for half love. Okay. All right. A lot of people like you, but they don't love you. That's, I mean, I, you're, I mean, you, you you've. It, for me, it's so, this speaks so many truths because working and having worked in the diversity space and working in places like advertising as an industry, there's a lot of talk about how much, you know, advertising shifts culture, about how much advertising creates culture, um, about how much we need diversity, equity, inclusion, and you know, there hasn't been much progress made. That's a fact. And what you're saying is like, yeah, it's because first off, most people can't see themselves in other people. They just like, they like the parts of the culture. They like the way the music makes them feel. So they take that and they put it into their content and their creative and they push it out there and say, look what I did. When really it's borrowed from people that you just like, that you don't really love. That's what I'm hearing from you. That's what I, that's what I felt what it is because it doesn't really matter what you look like but when when people see themselves in you like the actual physical stuff fades away mm. um and i think that's what I'm, i've learned in yeah in the past like 18 months just like pivoting virtually it's not just black women who come to my class it's literally women from all backgrounds and ages and and the common thing that we all the thing that we all see in each other is the fact that we're all just trying to feel better that's it so it's interesting because like they, they come because there's a common, there's similarities they're coming to instead of looking for the differences, right? They, they find the similarities that bond together. And I, you know, I, I think that from your story, it's, it's your openness, your vulnerability, your, your wokeness, your personal wokeness, let's just call it that. Cause we all know people sometimes wokeness gets confused in certain places, but your personal wokeness that, you know, I think people, are attracted to and are drawn to you for that and can see that like wait we didn't grow up the same we don't even look the same we don't sound the same but we feel the same and because we feel that same we're connected deeper than what's on the exterior and so let's let's get into this we're, we're connected like energetically mm -hmm. um and i know that because there are so many times where i've met someone and it's like i don't really know you like that but i know i don't like you mm. And I can't tell you why, but it's your energy. I think that's it. Energy matters. Mm -hmm. Energy matters and um, empathy. Like, I actually think that instead of doing, uh, you know, unconscious bias trainings and stuff like that, teach people empathy because I think there are so many people in the world who are so caught up in their own worlds that they forget that they are part of the universe itself <laughs> and that we're all a part of it. That's mind blowing. Come on. Again, I can't speak. That is mind-boggling. <laughs> <laughs> I 
because you know you, i mean especially living living in cities right you mentioned like maybe moving to la and you know living in new york there's so many people we're all part of the same universe world whatever you want to call it we just walk by each other every day and you're right the end you, you reminded me when you said the energy it's like you know like when dogs some dogs just don't like certain people that they never met before and you're just like why why don't they or they just like people and he's like well dogs don't know anything but what you're giving off that energy and children children jeez, children children don't even have the words and they know if someone is not good Ch- children they're like a mirror into our souls it is terrifying terrifying like i'm fascinated by them because the physical stuff doesn't matter to them. They go to the playground Everything. and everybody is just jamming and having a good time. And I watched my nephew do that all the time. And I'm like, man, I wish I could get back to being that. I don't think I ever was that, but like, I wish I could be. It's, you know, it's, I remember my daughter, we were walking down the street and she goes and she goes, Dada, how come, how come adults don't just don't say hi to people like kids do? Kids, which is like, we, Kids will see each other. We don't know each other. We'll wave to each other. But how come adults don't do that? And in my head, I was going through all the ways that society kind of takes that away from you. But I didn't want to explain that to her as a four-year-old. <laughs> I was just like, I don't know. Maybe we should, though. Why do you do it? I was just like, I, could, I couldn't deal with my own oh my stuff. God. I was just like, oh, no, too much coming up. Like, let's just turn around on you. <laughs> but you're right. It's like they, they, it's, it's, I mean, I got so many stories of just like watching kids play and then watching them wrestle with what society teaches them and what's innate and natural to them. You know, especially when it comes to interacting with, I mean, my daughter grew up in Brooklyn for eight years and was at the playground all the time playing with kids. We'd go to the suburbs to visit my parents and those kids there would look at her like she was an alien because she wanted to play with them and they didn't know her, you know? could also have to do with coach she was black but it was like they were so used to just being like in their own insular like family instead of just being out about like they were taught like oh no you don't when you go to the playground just play with your brothers and sisters your siblings don't play with other and my daughter being in new york was just like i'll play with anybody on this playground who will play with me and she think it's she would think it's so strange she would walk up to people and be like wait you don't want to play we're at a playground that is a playground how you not want to play? He just told a, a child, like a folklore or whatever they call it, a children's story. And to me, that is exactly, um, it's it's about DNI. Like literally, mm. that's DNI right there. This is why you need it. Because you've got kids from upstate <laughs> who have never seen anyone who looks like your daughter. And she tries to into the playground, you know, do her thing, a little hula hoop, a little jumping jacks, whatever it is they do. She, she loves And they said no. Hopscotch. And they said no. They said no, because I don't see myself in and you. you. Yep. And here, here she is saying, but I'm from Brooklyn and I play with people from Brooklyn. It doesn't matter. We're all from New York. And they're like, no, you're not from New York. You're from New York City. It's different. <laughs> Boom. All right. How are we going to fix it all? How do we fix it all right now tonight? Let's figure it out. Empathy. I, I I truly believe that everything comes down to empathy, love, and fear. That's it. Empathy, love, and fear. Okay, I can get down with that. 
Yeah. Yeah. I think all decisions are made based on love or fear. So like, I love what I do and that's why I do it. But there was a time where I was about to quit because I was afraid that I wasn't going to be able to like do it in the way I wanted to. Um, But then it's my empathy that really stopped me and made me more aware of the decision I was making and where it was coming from. Mm. Because, you know, I have to put myself in someone else's shoes. Like, wow, there are actually people who depend on me to do the things that I do. And if I don't do them, you know, that's kind of like a disservice to myself, really, Mm -hmm. because it's something that I love. I was about to say, don't forget. And for me, my my decision making, it just goes in those circles. Fear, love, empathy, fear, empathy. (laughs) What a cycle. And I was going to say, like, yeah, there's also empathy for yourself, too. Because if you're not being true to yourself, like that, it's yeah, the fear, love, empathy. That's that. That makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. And. So you said, how, how did you, because I know you said you meditate a lot now. I'm curious, like, you know, how you got into meditation and brought it to this level. Like, because, you know, most people think meditation, they think you got to be like on a mountaintop, levitating, super quiet, you know, and it's got to take at least 72 hours a session to meditate. Like, how, how would you help yeah. people or, or advise or give some advice people to get into meditation if they're little? you know, skeptical? Um, I got into meditation because I do have severe anxiety. Another reason why I'm quiet is because like I have social anxiety. Like I legit, it's very hard for me to be in rooms with a mm. lot of people. I mean, I, I remember being late, late to work and school just because I couldn't get on the crowded subway trains. Like it was bad. Um, and so for me, I meditate really because I need something um, to distract myself. So, for example, if I had to get on a crowded subway station um, or on the train, I would have a meditation playing. Sometimes it's just like the sound of the ocean because that's my happy place or someone talking. Um, And what I think what it came down to is that, like, I just learned that really when it comes to anxiety, depression, just how you view anything in your life, it's really about the story you tell yourself. And because I wasn't positioned to tell myself, like, really positive stories and calming stories because my mind was always going, you know, I needed somebody else to do it. So I downloaded Insight Timer and then I just started diving in and I was like, wow, this feels good. I feel so calm. Love it. There's so many, so many apps now that that will help you meditate and and get into it. I love, I love the, just the fact that you did it on the subway and like, I'm just going to, put something on that makes me feel calm could be you know the sound of the ocean because you want to move out to LA or Hawaii be somewhere warm with the beach or anything and I love the fact that meditation can be kind of what you need so if that's just calming calming sounds of the ocean that's some somebody's calming soothing voice to guide you through affirmations or intentions or gratitude it's there and it can it can do so much so much for you Another thing that meditation helped me with is that when I first started doing my business and also working full time, I got this decision fatigue. So it was Mm, always just mm -hmm. like people always come to you with questions and it's like, yo, I don't even have the mental space to breathe. Right. So like I'm tired and my, I've been, I've been flipping that switch of being Siobhan, the DNI manager and Siobhan, the entrepreneur so often and so frequently that like my brain started buffering. (laughs) Um, and so (laughs) meditation, it actually just helped me in my conscious mind, basically have a better, it made 
the time it took for me to decide, to decide yes or no, it shortened that time and it made it more, more finite. So mm. when someone comes to me with something, I can easily say yes or no. Like, does this deserve my time or not? And I can sit and just be completely comfortable with that. I love it. And I, I, I hear you speaking. I feel like it's, and I think I've, I've, I've felt it through the, the conversation is because you're so, I think meditation has helped you be so grounded in what and who you are, what you want and what you know is true to you. There's no, there's less noise from other places about, about is that that's, that's, uh, you know, muddying the waters, yeah. if you, so to say about like what decisions you need to make. Yeah. There's Which less noise. That's actually it. Like pretty much I know what aligns with me and then anything else literally sounds like noise. Mm. And not that good, like soothing noise, but other distracting static. So I, I want to, because we can go on and talk about this forever, but I, I actually want to ask you more about the business itself. Yeah. What are you, what are you, like, what do you offer now? And like, what are your, if, and I know, okay, so I was about to ask you, what do you plan to offer for the future? But I know you don't like to tell people until it's fully ready. So like right now, what is going on? You just said you had your best. You made, you're doing really well, yeah. right? Right now. So, so what? What are you actually offering, folks, that you think is attracting and making you so, just like physically offering? Ooh. Yeah, we're offering a few things. Um, one, we're teaching about five different classes. Um, one is R&B strength. Um, and that is a class that is dedicated to, you know, R&B music, you know, Michael Jackson, Prince, all those wonderful things. Um, and that came from the idea that you gain strength over time and not overnight. So it is a hit class to Ooh. R&B music. Ooh, okay. Yeah. Being an English major, it just changes everything. I think critically about everything. Um, but so that's one. Two, trap aerobics. That's trap rap and jumping jacks. I mean, I think that's self-explanatory. 808 thumping hip hop music, you know high low um aerobics and you don't need to know how to dance and that is our signature class that everyone loves then we got r&b yoga and we broke this out into two things so r&b yoga one is the vinyasa flow and that is for like the yogis who or people who just want to get into yoga but then we also realized that so many of our community members they have full-time jobs and they're sitting down all day and that mm -hmm. impacts your posture all those things so we have an r&b restorative stretch class where you literally just sit and we we do all of these like long, long poses and stretches so that your body won't be suffering as much from sedentary behavior. And then we also do a trap full body class. And that's like the more intense one for people who have been working out with us for quite some time. So we started to just make all of these classes. And then for the folks who are listening and it's like, you're trying to jump into your wellness journey, because I know that that's like one of the hardest things is to do something that makes you feel uncomfortable when you don't have people who make you feel comfortable. We started this thing called the Body Adi Challenge. It's 21 days and it was inspired by Megan the Stallion. Megan the Stallion. <laughs> so it's called the Body Adi Challenge. And basically we have this dope accountability group and we, we help women get, you know, get more active and, and, and establish these healthy habits in 21 days because that's how long it takes for you to develop a new habit, 21 days. So that's what we're doing now. Um, and then we're about to raise funds. We're doing an RMB restorative stretch class. Um, in partnership with this nonprofit called First Tech Fund. And I really love them because what they're doing is providing underserved students in New York City with, with tech. 
because that is one of the barriers. It's like a lot of kids have computers, but they won't have Wi-Fi, right? Or a lot of a lot of them, you know, go to the library like me. I remember I'd go to the library. Um, so that's like what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And that resonates with me so much because I was one of those kids. So we're helping to raise funds for them. And I, that's the part that I also love is like, we're also built on social impact. So yeah, <laughs> do <Amazing>. a lot. <laughs> amazing. You do. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Where can people sign up? Grillsandgranola.com. Grills with a Z because we had to keep it hip hop. Always. All right. And we'll put that, we'll put that in the little description too on the website so that people can find it. That's amazing. I like so many different sorts of classes for different folks, getting people in to it. I love the 21 day challenge, the body challenge. That's good. So what we, so what would you recommend if someone would the 21 day challenge be the one to get in if you've never done anything? Yeah, I would suggest that one. We're starting it off on the second uh, Monday of this, well, of April. I realize it's, it's not. I April. mean, it's it's pretty. It might as well be April. It's April. Yeah, we always start at the second Monday of the week, and like when I tell you, people love it. There, there are people who have just participated in it just because they like the fact that everyone is sharing their meals and meditating together and working out. And all oh, so stuff. you can do it. People do it more than once. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. But it's meditation, it's cool. movement, and it's also nutrition because my business partner is a is a nutritionist. So it's really about like the whole holistic lifestyle. Everything is connected. It's all energy. And I just want everybody to learn how to master their own energy. That's it. Mm, okay. Okay. Looks like you got some work on your hands to get everyone to master their own energy. Right? Listen, Jesus tried to do it and you saw what happened. <laughs> That's right. And you said, you said it's not for everybody, right? <laughs> you, you gotta, you gotta be ready. You gotta want to master your energy. You gotta want to it. sign up. You gotta want it. You gotta be open to it. You gotta be ready for it. Okay. Listen, Siobhan, this is, I, it's amazing. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing all of this. One thing that we do that we started to do on the podcast is give people 60 seconds, give or take to want to leave our audience with something right and make sure that nothing gets here it comes left unsaid so if there was something that we didn't cover if there's something you just want to say something you want to reiterate now's your chance you got 60 seconds or about 60 seconds or more yeah so my my only thing to say to everyone is that like if you are afraid of change if you are afraid of growth you need to understand that it is going to be uncomfortable but it always gets better. Um, and no matter what's happening in the world, everything, there's always change happening. And like I tell my brothers, I even tell my nephew, it was like, it doesn't matter what happened today, yesterday, or tomorrow, because flowers are still gonna grow. That's it. And you're a flower. You're gonna grow regardless. So why be fearful of that when you know it's gonna happen anyway? That's it. That's my 60 seconds. I don't know if that was 60. It, it it doesn't matter. It was it was powerful as 60 minutes. So thank you. Thank you for those words. And thank you for coming on, spending some time with us, sharing your story, sharing some wisdom. Thanks for having me. I hope I hope I um <laughs> I hope I left people with a lot of gems. Uh, you definitely did. You definitely did. I'm you know, I hope that 
everybody who was impacted and touched by you and what you say and what who you are, your essence, your energy, and what Grills and Granola offers. We'll look up Grills and Granola. Sign up if you can, if you want to, if you're ready, if you're open. Let's keep this energy going. Thank you. Thank I, you. I it. All right. Thank you for bringing the energy. Thank you for continuing to help folks master their own energy. And I can't wait to see how the rest of 2021 plays out for you and Grills and Granola. All right. All right. So thank you, everyone. And, uh, you know, everybody, thanks for listening. Until next time.